Happy Friday, Saints fans. We're one day closer to game day here in New Orleans. You're listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, joined later on the show by John DeShazer. We'll also sit down with NFL on Fox color analyst Charles Davis. He'll, he's going to be calling the game with Kevin Burkhardt and Pam Oliver this Sunday between the Saints and Falcons. So we caught up with him to get his thoughts on the Saints so far and the Falcons, of course. Due to scheduling conflicts, we will not have Saints sit down this week. Things got a little chaotic and uh, crazy after the bye week, but I promise you we will double up next week and bring you uh, double the Saints sit down, so we'll make up for it, of course. But uh, let's go ahead and get into things with Charles Davis. Charles, we know you're covering the game on Sunday, but we will probably expect you in town a few days earlier because, of course, you have to have some of that wonderful New Orleans cuisine and head over to the <laughs> Oshner Sports Performance Center. Uh, do you have a favorite restaurant that you like to come to when you uh, when you come into town? Every single one of them is New <laughs> Orleans. You know, I've, I've yet to find a place that we've gone that I did not enjoy. So there's no way I'm limiting myself. I'm just I, did, I probably should come in on Monday. Yeah. If, if I'm doing a Saints game and eat my way all the way up until kickoff. Yeah, I don't know if you'll be awake for kickoff if you if no, you do I'd that. But I would definitely be in a food coma. But that that might make me sound better. So <laughs> that's probably probably an idea people would endorse. Charles, you're a smart guy. You played that completely wrong. You were supposed to name about six places and then walk in, and probably one of those places would have heard you name them. <laughs> And then you'd be eating for free. You you gotta you gotta do better, Charles. Hey, listen, I got you. Got to be an A lister to pull that <laughs> off. I, I'm much more like a D lister, and they'd be like, well, "Oh, you're here. Um, let's make sure his check clears first, okay, <laughs> before we serve him." Well, I, I will let you in on a little secret. I think you did come in last year uh, and had the benefits of having the Drago's oysters. But if you come to the facility on Friday, we will have Drago's oysters for lunch. So a little uh, inside Over. information. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. None of us are going to jail. None of us are doing Martha Stewart time or any of that. And I plan to be there and partake in those oysters. Awesome. Well, we look forward to having you. Uh, Charles, you, Kevin, and Pam will be here on Sunday calling the game uh, between the Falcons and the Saints. We haven't had a chance to talk to you so far this season. So, Charles, just real quick, give me your overall thoughts on the Saints starting off the season 7-1 and one so far. I think it's one of the best starts that we're going to give them credit for, but maybe not as much as they deserve because the Saints have been a very good team for a long time now. And that's what happens when you're one of the, the top dogs in the league. You don't often get the credit that maybe you deserve for your continued excellence and, and, and consistency. Not to mention, if I'm not mistaken, when the schedule makers put it all out there and everyone perused the schedule, didn't everyone wince at the first eight games of the Saints go, oh, my God. Who did this? I know Jay How did this did. come about, yeah. right? And, and you look at this schedule, look at who they had to play, when they played them, where they played them, all of that. I mean, heck, you open up on a Monday night, and here comes Houston, the defending champions of the AFC South. Then you go right out west, and you got to deal with the Los Angeles Rams, you know? And, and then, you, then, you go down for, then you go from there, and you got Seattle on the road. And I just keep going. And no one, of course, none of us factored in uh, Drew Brees' injury, which happened in game two. And now you're going to go a five-game spread, no Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, and you come out of that undefeated with that schedule. That is something that I think that is probably never going to get the credit it deserves. If it had been a team that had come off the pace, if it had been a team not picked in preseason, we would be extolling them like, it's, like, like there's no tomorrow. 
But with this team, we go, oh, wow, the Saints, boy, what a great start. I don't think we're giving them enough credit for it. It's been phenomenal. You know, Charles, in such a quarterback-centric league, as you just mentioned, uh, with Drew Brees out and uh, Cam Newton out in Carolina, for that matter, how surprising is it to see teams not necessarily rebuild but kind of reshift their focus and be able to win it defensively as the Saints have after for the previous 13, 14 ye- years, basically, yeah. uh, depending on Drew Brees to kind of bail them out. Yeah, and, and I, I love I love the point you just made, and it goes back to let's keep it with the Saints to start. All right, So that goes back to Mickey Loomis, the GM, Sean Payton, the personnel department, putting everything together, right? You know, Jeff Ireland and saying, okay, let's take a full look at our, our roster and our team. Yes, we have Drew. Yes, we have Sean. Yes, we have offense, and we'll always have that. Might help us to shift a little bit more focus towards the defense, and they've done that in recent drafts and what they've done in the offseason work, and look at how it's paid off. Because I go back to watching them play and saying to myself, five years ago we wouldn't be watching this, this, this type of a game. This game would be in the 50s for both teams. <laughs> now I'm looking at it, and the offense isn't, isn't perking along quite like it usually does with Drew, but doing fine. But they're not in any type of danger because this defense has things under control. And that's been fun to watch because we always talk about the three levels of a defense, D-line, linebacker, secondary. Well, who gets to represent all three levels with the Saints? Obviously Cameron, you know, Cameron Jordan does in the D-line. And what he does is terrific. And I'm an old basketball guy. My dad's a basketball coach. I was raised in it. When I watch Cam Jordan play and get, get his hands on the football so many different times, so many different deflections, he's like a great defender in a half court who gets those deflections in basketball and disrupts offenses. 44 passes broken up in his career. I mean, that's, that's, those are defensive back numbers, not defensive line numbers. Then you get to the linebacker spot. And what DeMario Davis has done at that, at that position and solidified things, wow. He's all over the place. Then you get to the secondary, and you've got players at, at every spot. Lattimore continues to ascend. I think Marcus Williams is two years past the miracle in Minneapolis, and I think he can finally kind of be himself again, and I'm seeing that when he plays. Von Bell has, has really fit into his, you know, reached his potential. I just love this defense. I love everything they do, and they remind me a little bit of Minnesota guys in terms of they have so much time invested with each other now. There's a cohesiveness without them having to be, you know, real crazy with communication. They kind of know what each other's going to do before the ball snapped. Charles Cam Jordan is going to be your new best friend because he swears he can hoop and he's going to love <laughs> he's going to love that reference. <laughs> it, 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 just, it just reminds me, you know, when you look at numbers and you see a defensive lineman with 44 passes broken up. I brought I thought I actually talked about this 2 years ago I think on a game or maybe it was last year and I called a very good friend who's a basketball coach to talk about how much they value deflections on defense and, and how they chart them and what a good number would be. Because you remember, what was it, two years ago, that one game when the Saints had 19 passes broken up in yes. deflections? One yes. game? That's why I called him. I said, okay, so what is the number like in basketball? What are you looking for? Blah, 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 blah. The number the Saints put up in that game is comparable to what basketball teams are looking for. So that's what, that's what led me to that. And then, of course, a little deeper dive. You see Cameron Jordan is hooping because you can't start offense against that guy. He's going to disrupt you every which way. He's going to disrupt the run game, disrupt you in the pass game. If he drops off, you know, if he can't get to the quarterback, his hands are in the passing lanes, he knocks the ball away. You name it, he gets it done. 
You know, now I'm going to jump off track here because I have a tendency to do that from time to time. No, not you. <laughs> you have a master's in history, correct? Correct. What, what in the world are you doing in this football <laughs> thing? <laughs> well, my undergrad, my undergrad's political science. So yeah, I saw that. You know, so so you can tell it was the perfect track to come in because football <laughs> doing the commentary. I don't know. My dad, but my dad's a high was a retired high school history teacher in high school coach okay my grandmother retired as the head of the department of sociology at concord college in west virginia it was kind of a track we went through and when i was working before i got into broadcasting every year my dad would sit me down for the big talk and say hey what's going on how come we're not getting our teaching certificate you come from a family (laughs) of educators what's happening here I think to this day he thinks I'm doing okay, <laughs> I, but I think there's a good part of him that still says, you know, you ought to get your teeth and teeth and You never know how business is going to go, and you got to have something to fall back on. Just so tell, that's kind of how it works. Just tell Pops you're educating the masses on football, not necessarily education, <laughs> but just educating the masses on football. I appreciate that, and I, and, and, and I, will, I will transmit that to him. The funny part is, as you guys know, because we're all in the same business together, right? So in this 24-7 news cycle, as we try to impart what we learn and our own opinions to people, nowadays people have access to so much information, I think that they pretty much look at us like, well, I should really be doing what you're doing because I have the same information in front of me. And I've told my colleagues this, you know, because – at one point, if you called a game in the NFL or in college football, there was one trump card you could always play. And you know what it was? When you had a discussion with a fan and the fan was kind of letting you know that they thought that they knew more than you did, you, you know how it goes, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, look, we probably did the same thing before we got into business. So we're, it's not like we're in glass houses here, I right? did the JD all the time. Right? We <laughs> used to do this all the time. So, so you know how it is when people talk. I, uh, what was our trump card? Well, I just watched the game film. Yeah. <laughs> that was our trump card. And everybody would go, you know, I just watched all 22, and I just watched the whole thing, and this is what I saw. Well, nowadays, fans can buy all 22 game films through, what, NFL.com, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. College football game film is available for people out there. So I actually saw a colleague try our old trump line, and the fan responded back, yeah, well, I broke down six games last week. I said, <laughs> this is where we're going, folks. And, and it's a beautiful thing because – Never has there been better information out there. Never has the sport been more popular than us talking about it and what we can do and how people can, can, can access it. The other part, though, is we'd better be on our game because yeah. otherwise those people we're talking to, they'll come for us. Yeah, everyone knows pretty much everyone has access to the same information and the same stats and everything that you do. It's almost kind of scary because what's the difference between them and us? You know what I mean? It's not there's not much difference. It's just kind of like how you interpret the information that you're putting out there. And you guys go to press conferences all the time, right? You help conduct them. you, You work in them. Remember, you know, nowadays, of course, our recording devices aren't those clunky things we saw back in the old days, right? Mm -hmm. Our recording devices are our phones. Mm -hmm. But how many times do you look at who is attending the press conference and who they're representing and think to yourself, what? Who? (laughs) What? Because um, to me, I'm not putting anyone down at all. But the credential doesn't have to say AP, UPI, right, local local TV station, local radio station. People have started their own stuff, you know. It's the Charles Davis report. That's who I'm representing. Right. And here yeah. I am at the presser stepping up just like the number one beat writer covering the Saints. 
and it's a different day and a different age, and we all have to be, you know, we're all ready for it. We're all in it, and we all have, and we all need to have some respect for it too, because that's how a lot of things are happening nowadays that wouldn't have happened the way they did before. Yeah, I can't wait to post on my blog about what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, you guys, I'm, I'm talking to you guys. I, I, I'm trying not to be on a soapbox. I don't think I'm really wrong on it, though, right? No, you're not. That's you're where not. we I mean, are, right? This, this access to information. And we can create things ourselves now and get it out there. Remember, we used to have to go get a job and work for a team or yeah. work for a, a, a company. Now you can do your own stuff and put it out there. It's like the draft and doing mock drafts. If I want to, I can leave, a, I can leave wherever the draft is every year with easily 30 different bound binders of mock drafts and assessments and breakdowns of players if I, if I truly wanted to. Because people do that all the time now because they have the access and they have their own opinions and their own eyes. And, you know, sometimes what I read is actually pretty darn good. (laughs) (laughs) Charles, you touched a lot on the defense earlier in our conversation, but I want to touch a little bit more on the matchup going into this weekend between uh, Julio Jones and Marshawn Lattimore because we have the same access to stats we do. Um, I thought it was pretty interesting. Julio Jones has done better in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome against the Saints than he has in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, at home. In 2017, he had five receptions for 98 yards, and then when he came to the dome he had seven receptions for 149 yards and it was basically the same story in 2018 what are you looking for out of this matchup now that Marshawn Lattimore is having a pretty darn good year yeah I, you know maybe it's the oysters for Julio <laughs> I, I don't know maybe that's what it is but uh, what I'm looking for is Marshawn Lattimore playing at an all-time high in confidence and you, I don't know if you guys remember, we were there for the Eagles playoff game last year. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I thought his matchup in duel with Alshon Jeffrey was tremendous, wasn't it? Yes. Especially yes. in the second half when the game was on the line and everything had to happen. And, you know, just watching him match up and try and match wits because, you know, he'd be up in press sometimes. Sometimes he'd play off. He's trying to show him different angles. But I always found, I always saw that when he was up in press, he was much better against him. When you gave him a little bit of room, it's a whole different story for Alshon Jeffrey because of his length. That's what I'm eager to see in this one because Julio runs better than Alshon, as we well know, but he also has that strength and body type as well. How much will Matt Ryan, who I expect to be back playing in this game, force-feed Julio a little bit against Marshawn Lattimore? Or will Marshawn Lattimore and the year he's having discourage Matt a little bit to try and go elsewhere? Frankly, I don't think so. Because I think that Matt Ryan looks at Julio Jones and says, I don't care who's covering him, I believe in my guy. So I think that we've got a heck of a matchup. I look forward to watching Marshawn travel with Julio wherever he goes. And a couple years ago when when, um, Xavier Rhodes was on top of his game in Minnesota, I asked him before a matchup with Julio, I said, what are you going to do? He said, man, I'm going wherever he goes. I said, what if he lines up in the backfield like a running back? He said, then I'm lining up at linebacker. (laughs) And that's what I expect from Marshawn Lattimore in this game. Yeah, Marshawn loves these kinds of matchups. We've seen him uh, so far against Mike Evans and, and, you know, whether it be DJ Chark or whoever it is, he's been able to, to take guys away. You've, you've seen some of the Falcons. What What's going on with the Falcons? Because I see they've lost three games they by a touchdown to. or less, a couple of my field goal or less, but what's been happening with them? We have no answer. <laughs> I, I, I truly have no I'd love to be that analyst that goes, well, I can tell you the five things that are wrong <laughs> Because I came into the season, and I'm not big, you know, you mentioned my history background. I'm not big on revisionist history, 
okay? So in preseason, I picked New Orleans 1, Atlanta 2, Carolina 3, okay, Tampa 4 in the division. So I'm catching a lot of you-know-what from the Carolina <laughs> fans, yeah. all right? Yeah. And, and there's nothing I do about it because that's how I picked it. I don't know very many people who did not expect Atlanta to have a bounce back and be a contender this year. When you look at their roster, especially how things started, that was a roster that you said, okay, <laughs> I expected to bounce back from last year. Yeah, they had a ton of injuries. They had a few more this year, but not enough to explain what's going on here. And I saw them practice two weeks ago. They practiced well. They practiced with spirit. They practiced with enthusiasm. They looked like a team locked in. There weren't a bunch of errors that were going on and starting over drills. They looked like a good NFL team. And then the game started, and they were down big again. And I thought if there was a week that they were going to play really well, I thought it was going to be last week. Because when we had them against the Rams guys, the Rams, of course, found their way through and, and took care of business. And then after the game, I'm sure you've heard about Julio cutting off Dan Quinn and saying, yeah. hey, this is on us. This yeah. isn't on you. And an impassioned speech, and probably a speech that if Arthur Blank, the owner, was thinking about doing anything with Dan Quinn, that may have dissuaded him to keep him longer. It may have, it may not. I don't know. But Dan, I remember Arthur Blank was quoted as saying it's one of the most impassioned speeches I've seen. Let me know how the guys feel about Dan, etc. You do all that, and then the very next game you're down 24 nothing. Yeah. I don't understand. I'm trying to figure that all out because this roster is not a 1-7 roster, even if Matt Ryan missed extended time. Like the Saints went 5-0 and without Drew Brees. If Matt Ryan missed that time. This this roster should be able to like split their games, right? Yeah. I just I just don't understand it. And to see some of the mistakes I'm seeing in their secondary and all that at this stage of the season, I have no answer because I really thought this team was going to contend in the NFC South for a playoff spot. And you have to have some response at some point. I mean, it's it's great when players rally around you, rah rah, and and you're excited to have players that support you. But at some point, you have to produce some results, right? There's no doubt about it. And in my past life, I was an assistant slash associate athletic director at Stanford University and, and worked my way up through the ranks in, di in different organizations and places that had amateur sports. And I remember talking with a good friend where they got rid of their very popular head football coach right after the season ended, right around Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And when they did it, they were visited by like 10 players on that team who loved their coach and were upset that they were doing it and really said, we really love playing for this guy. And you know the answer came back was from the administration? Well, if you loved him so much, why didn't you win more games for him? <laughs> yeah. Now, I know that seems too simplistic and can mm -hmm. be a little bit on the cold side, but your point is well taken. At some point, there has to be a response to the love. Yeah. Okay, if you like someone, you got to show them with other ways. You can't just say, I like him, mm -hmm. because now you're asking the people who are making the decisions, well, I'm glad you like them, but how come, as you said, where's the response? Absolutely. Well, we'll have to see this weekend, Charles. We know that anything can happen between the Saints and Falcons, though one team is 7-1 and one and the other is 1-7. and seven. It's hate week, so anything is yeah. on the table going into the Mercedes-Benz Superdome on Sunday. No doubt, and we're excited about that part of it because, you know, 1-7 and seven versus 7-1, and one, that doesn't usually excite you as a broadcaster. Mm -hmm. But in this case, as you said, it's hate week. It's the NFC South. These two teams – it's about as close to a college rivalry as you can get. 
so we just throw the record books out and we'll just tee it up on Sunday and see how it all turns out. Well, we can't have you. We can't wait to have you in the city. If you want to follow Charles on Twitter, be sure to do that at CFD22. Charles, uh, we look forward to having you, Kevin, and Pam here at the Oshner Sports Performance Center, and hopefully we can uh, share some oysters together. And look forward to it. Let's make sure we grab a table and do that. All right. We'll see you uh, tomorrow. All right. Look forward to it. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, Charles. Be good. Thanks to Charles for joining us on today's show. That interview was brought to you by SeatGeek. If you're trying to find tickets to football games or any other live event, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing, but with SeatGeek, you can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats, buy from any device, and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple taps. With their deal score technology, they rank the most valuable seats based on price, location, historical data, and more. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase when they use the SeatGeek app. Use code GOSAINTS at checkout. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Again, thanks to Charles Davis for joining us. You can watch the Saints this Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons. Kickoff is at noon. You can watch on Fox. Again, with Kevin Burkhart, Charles Davis, and Pam Oliver. Or, of course, you can listen in on WWL 870 AM with Zach Streif and Deuce McAllister. For Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, Charles Davis, I'll do it for today's New Orleans Saints podcast. Thanks for joining us.